All right, everybody, welcome back. This is Difficult Conversations by Supply the Why. We are on Season 3, Episode 3, and as promised, we got a smoker for you tonight. So tonight, we're going to be discussing the whole warrior versus guardian mindset in policing, what it is, and should it even exist, and how do we manage it. So I brought in a couple experts in this particular subject. So the first person I'm going to introduce to you is... Lieutenant Fred Leland, he is, if you have ever taken any class in Massachusetts, Fred trainers in in this in Massachusetts. He's been in policing for over 30 years. Fred, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. Well, the pleasure, the pleasure's all mine. I met Fred. I was actually a student in his class when I was taking uh in-service classes at the academy. We became friendly, and now we also we co-instructed the academy and it just it's, it's an honor to have you on and to have you share some of your knowledge with with us tonight honor to be here so the second person on our panel tonight is a detective and a he's got some military experience this is Iman Kaffel Iman how you doing hey how you doing glad to be on all right so Iman is also an expert in warrior versus guardian mindset so Iman can you give we just recently met you know, yeah. about a month ago, we made our acquaintance, maybe not. Yeah. yeah, about a month ago. Yep. All right. So so what is your experience with warrior versus guardian mindset and why is this important to you? So important to me because uh, to me, warrior and guardian is one and the same in terms of the, uh, the, the philosophies behind them. It's just the term or the word warrior has just been so vilified by modern society, uh, by the PC culture, if you want to call it that they needed to come up with another word for it, you know, instead guardian. Now, now you have, you know, across the country, uh, I know of uh, cities and towns that completely got rid of the word warrior out of their curriculum, which is to me is, is, is no, you know, not good. It's, it's not, it's not really um, giving the uh, warrior mindset the credit is due because again, like I said, warrior and guardian are one and the same to me. So on that note, you're kind of new school. You, you've you been on this job for how long? About 15 years. 15 years. All right. So I'm 15, I'm 16. And Fred, you're over 30, right? Yes. So Fred, you've been talking about this subject for years now. So yes. this is new to you. So tell us, bring us into kind of like the lack of a better way to put it, the old school way of looking at Warrior vs. Guardian. Well, I, I don't know if there's a whole hell of a lot of difference from what I, Iman would say. But because I believe it, I, I believe uh, history uh, is history of the of the warrior goes back to ancient times and beyond. But uh, in policing, it's pretty much been this way since I've been taking it. I mean, I've, I've had uh, all kinds of different training on preparing police officers for uh, those rare occasions uh, where they have to fight. And, and we're cops. We, we understand what we do for a living, uh, but we persuade most people. Um, to come around to our way of thinking. And it's rare that we actually have to physically um, uh, tussle with somebody or or even at a higher level, uh, use deadly force. So when I think about it, I, I tend to agree with Iman that it, they are one and the same. The warrior mindset has always been that of a, a protector first, a guardian first. That's what cops do. We're peacekeepers. We go out, we, we protect people, we enforce laws, uh, and most people comply. Uh, and when they don't, we persuade them and we make every effort to persuade them to come around to our way of thinking. Uh, if not, and they decide to fight, then a police officer has to fight. But, um, uh, and they have to know how to do it. So you can't take it out, out of the equation. Uh, protectors have to know how to fight. They have to know how to use, use physical skills. Uh, and then in the United States of America, we have to know how to use firearm skills. If we're dealt with a, a deadly weapon at some point where somebody's life or our own life is, 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 put in jeopardy. Uh, so I think that's important. But the history of it, uh, it, 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 it's all gotten lost in this latest hype. All right. The latest hype has uh, demonized the, the term warrior. I mean, we call football players warriors and athletes warriors, right? but we're not going to call cops warriors when they actually have to fight for a living. I mean, a real fight. I'm not talking about a, a game fight. Um, and, and somehow it's got lost. Like the word we use is somehow magically going to stop force from being used or having to be used. Yeah. Um, it, it makes no sense. As, as a matter of fact, there's been tons of uh, tons of studies and 
uh, in the military and in, 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 in other places. I know the Marine Corps did a big thing with Marine Corps martial arts where they taught their Marines much deeper than when I went through Marine Corps boot camp, much deeper levels now with the Marine Corps martial arts program um, in an effort to make them better at self-defense so that they had more confidence when they dealt with hand-to-hand -hand stuff. And it's the same thing with policing. We should be doing that. We should, if we're going to teach guys defensive tactics, which we do, um, which, and, yeah, and it's, that's, that's my, that's my wheelhouse is defensive. Right. And, and now think about this, but just a, a couple of seconds, if we teach you defensive tactics and you go to a 40, 80 hour school in the Academy, and then you do it only for the rest of your life, once a year at in-service for four to eight hours, I mean, you're not going to become Bruce Lee, right? <laughs> By doing that. Yeah. Right. So, so, so we, we give guys this training and we prep them and then they don't get it. They don't, they, they don't continue it in their agencies or anywhere else, unless they're the rare breed that does it on their own. So let me, right? let so, let me so Fred, let me bounce to Iman for a second. So mm -hmm. you brought up an interesting point, Fred, you went down a very interesting road earlier that how they've changed this word warrior. Yeah. I kind of feel now, let me know if you agree with me or not, Iman, that I feel like one of the things they did is they, sub they kind of subtracted the honor that's associated with being a warrior. Oh yeah, I mean, well, talk to me about that. Here's the thing, you know, the the, the warrior mindset. Uh, I mean, it's all about honor, integrity, selfless service, uh, courage, and and it goes into an even deeper level as as in the warrior mindset, where it helps you, uh, the individual, realize that the true enemy is not uh, external forces, but also internal. Whether it's weakness, fear, jealousy, uh, and many other negative traits recognized as an enemy with somebody in a warrior mindset, and and one one person I, I always uh, quote and always talk about is Musashi, uh, sam you know, a samurai. Um, he he said, "If you wish to control others, you must control yourself." So in essence, he's not he's not exactly saying control. He he's saying that your internal self. If you're not able to control anger and all that, how do you expect to be able to deal with whatever situation that is lying in front of you? So it 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 you know it it, it is very uh, to me guardian. Guardian comes only when it's necessary as protecting because you're a guardian. You're protecting a warrior mindset is is not just the external, but it's also the internal stuff that you got going on. I love it because the way I look at it, we're, we're, we're kind of on the same road there. Warrior yeah. to me is offensive. Mm. It's like there's no more talking, there's no more negotiating. Now I got to go on the offensive. And yeah. guardian to me is defensive. Just it's like be, like guarding something. It's it's yeah. defensive, and it's more of you know you're letting something come to you. You're in a very more relaxed posture until mm. it's the time not to be relaxed. Fred, I can tell you one in. Go ahead. Yeah, I I I I, I hear where you guys are coming from, but I, I'm still going to say that they they as a police, I don't really care what we call it. To get it out, I, I call me a cop. That's all you got to call me. Call me a policeman, right? But I need to possess these these mentalities because circumstances are so uh, uh, conflicting because we deal with conflict and violence. All right, and so we have to be prepared to to go from one to the other. Now, I love what we're talking about here when we talk about honor and the code. We need it. Now, one of the things I think that that we can work on in policing is we when we teach this. Uh, warrior mind, the warrior mindset, if you will, uh, in policing, we usually teach just the physical component of the game. We're not, we're, we're not teaching at least in the, in the, uh, blended with warrior stuff, these, these ethical principles that we're talking about, and they need to be taught. And, and we also need to understand that conflict unfolds in, in three dimensions. Mm -hmm. Colonel John Boyd, talked about it all the time. He says it doesn't just unfold in the physical, it unfolds in the mental and moral uh, realms as well, or dimensions, he called them. And that's yeah. important for us to recognize because the strategy, operations, or tactics we utilize, whether it's a patrolman on the street or a SWAT team or whatever it might be, or, or a, somebody doing an interview technique, uh, detective, whatever it is, we have to keep that in mind th that the strategy, operations, and tactics we utilize impact the adversary, not only the adversary, the adversary's uh, moral, mental, and physical dimensions, and also the public's, who's yeah. that third that third wheel that's important. They're viewing what we do in a free society. This 
this warrior has to have these codes because we live we live and police a free society, a place where in America freedom can only be taken from you by a police officer. Isn't that remarkable? The, yeah. the responsibility. So, so those codes mean mean everything. So and Fred, can I ask you about the third wheel? So you mentioned that third wheel was society. Yes. Is it fair to say that that third wheel has gotten huge? It's like a monster truck wheel now. Like when we, when, even when I first started 16 years ago, like clearly that wheel existed. Like, you know, we're there to serve the public and the public has a voice. But yeah. man, has that wheel gotten large and it seems like it's really starting to drive a lot of what we do. Do you agree have, with that? And then, and then real quick, and then I'm going to go to Iman. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it has. I think it, policing a free society, if you go back to 1829 and Peel's principles, where the people are the police and the police are the people, it's always been a proponent we strive for, right? And we've had our ups and down roller coaster rides with, with, with bad situations, with uh, uh, social justice, even in the you know going in the '60s, and now we're getting it again. And we've had good a lot of good cops, and we've had bad cops mixed in, uh, corruption, uh, all these things we've had to deal with over the years that have have uh, well we've had high trust levels. Uh, from uh, the public, that that third wheel, and we've had low trust. It's ebbed and flow, but I think right now it's probably the worst I've ever seen. It. All right. Oh, so uh, let me get, let me get Iman on that. Iman, jump in on this. So I mean, I, I I agree with Fred with 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 uh, with his thoughts on on this whole thing and with with the way society is. I mean, like you said, you know, 15, 16 years ago, it wasn't like this. You you could see it. I mean, it was there and. But as the years went on, it got worse and worse and worse. And now we are where we are. And part of it is, I think, I, I like to also, uh, I think, blame us for it, too, as, as cops. Put a little yeah. more meat on those bones. Keep going, I'm in. Yeah. So, so it, it, our fault, as in we've kept it, uh, we've kept our methods or whatever. You know, we, we tried to be uh, kind of a little too quiet about it. Uh, ourselves, you know, having the officers who do the job uh, every day that, uh, you know, I always compare it to the 70-30 uh, uh, or 80-20 even, where 80% of police officers shouldn't even be police officers and the 20% that are actually there, they're doing the real police work, as in not just arrests and traffic and, and all that. They are the ones that connect with the community. They're part of the community. They, they, they are stakeholders in the community. They make themselves stakeholders in the community where they, they care about you know, the, every little thing that happens in their community. So it, it's very important that not only we deal with the society problems, but we're all, we have to deal with our own problems too. All right, that's fair enough. So 80-20, that's a lot. So you're saying that 80% of police officers shouldn't be police officers? Or is that just... I think that, that one is, I think what I think on that is there are three kinds of people that become officers, right? I believe. All right, this is something I believe. There are those that it's a family trade. They're great cops. It's been generational. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a family trade. They're in it, they're in it forever. Uh, then there's one that is there to get a paycheck. We see them all the time. All right, they're, they're there, they'll do minimal amount of work, but they're there, they'll do everything else just so they get a good paycheck. And the last one is the one that we look at, is that one with that warrior mindset. Like the warrior mindset, Fred was, was saying earlier, where it was more um, internal, external, just like what me and Fred were saying, but also with the warrior mindset, like that, that stuff, the internal stuff you need to teach at the academies. Yeah, it's, you know, the tactics and all that stuff is part of it. But there's an even bigger part, which is the internal stuff of the warrior mindset, where that needs to be taught also. Where, you know, teaching guys to do all this DT and the firearms and, and everything. I mean, that's, that's what the police academy is for. But we ignored the internal stuff. All right, can you can you just really quick, and then I want to then I want to get Fred in on this. Yeah. Tell me about like when you say internal, talk to me as if I have no idea what you're talking about internal. To like yeah. for those of us that aren't that aren't on the job out there. Yeah. So uh, internal, I mean uh, again, anger, jealousy, uh, fear, you know, stuff like that, where it it you we never work on it. 
as as uh, in the academy as officers where we we don't test enough for that. Where so you talk about the emotion, like the emotional yeah. intelligence. That seems yeah. to be the road you're going down as emotional. Yeah, yeah, the emotional intelligence. Exactly, exactly. That's something that uh, I remember going to the, through the academy. It, 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 it was never really taught. Where actually, I learned it from my martial arts training since I was a kid. Those things I learned there, not not at the academy or not being developed as an officer going through the years. All right, let me let me get Fred in on this. Now, Fred, I know, is a big emotional intelligence guy, just like, you know, we have a guy, Obed Magni, who's huge into emotional intelligence. So, Fred. Yes. You know what? He's he's nailed it. It, it, And it's true. We don't teach it. That's what I was getting at. We're not. We teach the physical game, how to shoot, how to fight, how to handcuff, how to use your OC spray, how to use a taser, uh, all the physical stuff. And then we put the cops on the street and we expect them to be masterful at communication when we're not really teaching we're getting better at it and we are in, in massachusetts we've we, we've spent some time doing it but the emotional intelligence intelligence is, is not just uh, going to school right and we're, we're more highly educated than ever than what right than we've ever been in the history of police so what the hell is going on right yeah. so it's not just about getting a formal education and a degree there's got to be learning taking place that develops these skill sets and they have to be included in, in these they have to make sure they bring them into the academies and they have to be drilled when you get out of the academies and FTO and throughout your career, yeah. throughout your career, you're developing them. You're yeah. always working on them. And, yeah. and, and, and it's, and it's huge uh, to understand that because that's what gets lost when everything becomes stimulus response, right? You, when you teach train stimulus response, which is great, it teaches you how to, how to do whatever skill set it is, but what are you going to do on the street? You're going to do stimulus response. You're going to train, you're going to act like you were trained. Yeah. And that becomes problematic if there's no thinking going on. We have to observe, orient, decide, and act throughout the encounter so that yeah. we get inside the mind of a person we're dealing with, whether they're angry, bad guy, or, or somebody that's going through an emotional problem. We have to try to get them to come around to our way of thinking. That's what a warrior does. And then if they don't, we may have to wrestle. Like the a video clip that uh, we were looking at earlier, it showed a guy trying to talk, trying to rational, and then it goes into a into a physical altercation and they're never pretty. They always are ugly looking because I always, when I talk to civilians, I tell them, uh, I tell them, look, uh, if you had an argument at home with your loved one right now, would you want me there at the dinner table watching it? (laughs) And you know what the usual response is dead quiet, right? Nobody wants me there because even when that happens in their own house, it's, it can be ugly. All right. And nasty. And, but for some reason, when people see it on a on a Twitter feed uh, or a YouTube video, it, it, it's it, it when a cop is fighting because he has to fight, uh, everybody gets upset and worked up. Uh, and, and that's a big piece of this, too. A big piece of this is because now we got video, right? Yeah. Videos out here and it sees it. Years ago, when I got on, there was no video, right? Guys would hear yeah. about a fight. Uh, 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 the, the third wheel, the public. Right, I say third wheel. They should be. They're actually the first wheel. We now, work for them. It kind of seems right? the way they're driving policies and and all and yeah. everything. They, they, they are the first wheel. It just somehow along the line they get lost. We work for the public. It's as simple yeah. as that. And 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 when we go out there, we have to understand that it's important that they trust us and they understand we're doing things fairly, um, procedurally just to coin the new term, right? But we're going out there trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. and. When we do that, we win more people over. But for a long time, and if I'm getting sidetracked, tell me, for a long time, policing sat on their heels and allowed this message to get out here. And it slowly evolved. This didn't just happen after Floyd. It just was big after Floyd. And it didn't just happen after Ferguson. It was going on before Ferguson. It just got bigger and bigger because uh, if you you look at uh, guys like Herman Goldstein, who wrote Policing a Free Society back in the 70s, right? And back in the 70s, right, and he talked about police would jump on bandwagons. And I'm, I'm going to say this is true, and I, this is why I fault us as a profession, is policing jumps on bandwagons when the heat's on, and then they go right back to the status quo when the, when the pan cools down. You mean right? the that, challenges, TikTok challenges? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> can't, just, yeah. can't just do TikTok challenges. Can't look for, can't, can't just be doing 
uh, you know, the thing that drives me crazy than anything is is we find kids and we do Snapchat pictures with them, or or mm -hmm. right. Come on, man. Cops have been dealing with talking with kids and dealing with kids, good and bad, <laughs> since before I got on this job. But yeah. now it's like every opportunity to get a pose, we think that's the answer. That's yeah. that's not the answer. We got to we got to do the job right, even when it's ugly. It's so, that so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in right now. That's a good point. So Mike Powell, who's a regular on the show, he says, I think that the warrior and guardian mindsets are not in one and the same, but we need to possess them both. One mindset is what we use when we mingle with the community. The other is to keep us alive when interactions go wrong. All right. So Iman, I'm going to go to you. Where are you with, with, with Mike's comment? I think it's a thoughtful comment. Yeah. What do, you, do you agree? Oh, so, uh, Again, it, you know, again, he's uh, what's going on is separation of the two guardian and warrior. What because there, in terms of the way he's looking at it, I think is the warrior is the physical aspect of the job where you got to go out, protect, keep people alive, stuff like that. And when things get ugly, the warrior needs to come out. Then he is separating guardian, where guardian, yeah, you're in the in uh, among the people, protecting the people, well, protecting also, but you are more involved in the community versus the warrior, where the warrior is the fighter. To me, why I say they're one and the same is because to be a warrior, to have that warrior mindset, is also caring for your own community. You know, part of that whole internal struggle. I mean, with the warrior mindset, the internal struggle. If you can't handle your own internal stuff, anger, whatever, you know, the emotional intelligence, if you can't deal with that, you're not going to be able to be a guardian, right, for the people. Because your emotion is what's driving you more than anything else versus I like it. your mindset. You keep, you know, you, you, you work on yourself, you work on the self, you develop yourself to be a better person for society because that's what society expects of you as a guy with a badge and you know as an officer of a free society they expect you to be the best that society has to offer there's a reason why you got this job there's a reason why you're out there in uniform you know the public sees you as 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 again the, the top percent of that town or, or wherever you 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 serve that's the way they that's the way it should be so back to uh, what mike said to me, warrior and guard are not the same people. Just different levels of the same person, yes? Exactly, just different levels. All right, so one thing I do want to I want to throw in here before we go to Fred is the I, I got to address the whole thing about the public because, yes, we do work for the public, and they do drive a lot of what we do. However, in my opinion, as someone who's been in this game for a little while now, there has to be an educational component. If they're going to be driving policies and they're going to be making decisions – based on something, let's face it, that 90% of them have never done before, there has to be an educational component. Like, you can't tell me what weapons or tools I should be using if you can't give me a realistic example as to how you would have stopped the problem. Yeah. Like, don't throw out buzzwords. I don't want to hear about de-escalation because the one thing about de-escalation is de-escalation is a dance. Fred and I spoke right. about this the other day when he came to visit me. It's a dance. It takes two people to de-escalate. Like I can come up with all the catchphrases and cool terms I want. If you're not trying to de-escalate, there's nothing I can do to de-escalate that situation. Yeah. All right. So Fred, please jump in on this. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. They, the people do the, the when I say that. In other words, the people have to respect police and 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 the leadership we have. Right. It. it I'm, when I say they drive what we do, I'm I, I'm not I'm not so sure they need to be. Matter of fact, part of the problem is probably with the term de-escalation is, is come from some of these civilian uh, review boards uh, who don't know anything about policing, right? Because it is a dance. It's, it's, if you want to talk about it professionally, it's called the strategic game of interaction. Interact with something, there's a give and take to it. I'm a policeman, I'm in a uniform. There's a threat of force there automatically. There's a threat, whether it's handcuffs, you comply uh, with my verbal commands, or you take it to a level where you want to physically fight, or or if you want to try to harm somebody or me, then it goes to a deadly force level. All right. So there's there's a, there's a, an actual give and take, just like just like somebody at home talking to a family member in an argument. There's there's a give and take to that conversation, and based on how you both communicate with each other, you either resolve it peacefully, and you go to sleep peacefully at night, or you don't. 
all right? And it, and it gets uglier. So I think what happens with, with police, you've got to trust the people you put in, you, you put in power of police chiefs and et cetera. And that's, a, that's another trend that's a problem here. We put, we put people in charge of a, of, a, of a profession, policing, and all of a sudden, because I watch uh, 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 Blue Bloods or whatever's on television or CSI, I'm an expert. Right. Mm -hmm. or, or I or I looked at it on YouTube. I'm an expert. You're not an expert. All right. Uh, policing police takes a lot of time to develop the, their, their craft and to become a professional. It doesn't happen from watching television or YouTube videos. So what do you say right? if I if I find evidence at a crime scene, I can't send it out to the crime lab and get it back? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you know what? I always like to use the term. Right. You can't you can't just drop the my DNA on your cell phone. And there's not an app. Yeah, exactly. Right. A lot of people think that's how it works. And well, yeah, they do. Involved in these decisions. Well, I, and, I, and, I've gone to actually, you know, I've gone to grand juries where I've been asked, you know, based on video surveillance, where I've been asked by the jurors, "Could you have zoomed that in and cleared that picture?" And this is the, it's like, no, that's you know, we call that in policing a CSI effect, right? The, the, you yeah. know, all these police mm -hmm. shows that solve crimes in 20 minutes, you know, or less, it, it, it doesn't work that way. So I had to explain to the jury, that's, that's not real. You know, I can't do that. That's, that's the video that I was given. It, it's absolutely bananas. So I think yes. gentlemen, this is the perfect time just to hit the chat really quick. Um, Mark says that Sir Robert Peel stated this in the mid 1800s. He's referring back to what you were talking about earlier, Fred. Mm -hmm. And we have a thank you for your service from uh, Detective Sergeant Michael Powell, who is a, again, big fr friend of the show, and he's one of, uh, one of the favorite people I have on. So I think this is a perfect time to go to that video. All right, so let's check mm -hmm. out the video, and we're going to discuss this. You're going to see Warrior, you're going to see some Guardian, and most importantly, you're going to see a blend. So we're going to talk about what happens when. Stay with us on this. All right, everybody stand by here. My phone. Okay. Alright. Bro. Okay. I'm, I'm legit. Like, okay. Yeah, bro. Bro. Do you have anything illegal in your pockets? That's no, what I'm asking. No. Can I search your pockets? No, sir. Okay. I, I don't sir. I don't I don't have any. Come on. Come on, man. Don't give me a break, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Get up, dude. Stop, man. God damn it. More 16. Hey, help me, dog. Okay, my left arm just don't okay, take right. both right. right. I'm homeless, dog. Okay, that's fine. I'm homeless, dog. All right. So that's one of my favorite training videos to watch because it shows a couple different levels. It shows at first, in my opinion, again, I'll start I'll start here and then I'll bounce to you gentlemen. In my opinion, it showed a guardian. So even at first, when he is when he's searching this gentleman and he goes to hook him up, he's gentle, he's being respectful, his tone of voice is proper, he's not yelling, he's not demeaning this person. Got in all day long. Then 
the subject decides to take it to another level when as soon as he hears the click, click, click of the handcuffs, as we all know from our training, that's mm-hmm. what people tend to fight the most. And he decides to run. Mm-hmm. He gets tackled. And instead of giving up when he gets tackled, saying, all right, well, I tried to run. It didn't work. What does he do? He decides to fight. Mm-hmm. Fight ensues. The officer's trying to get the upper hand. He's talking to him. He even says, hey, give me a break, will you? To the guy. Like, you know, he's, he's trying to give the he's trying to give the subject a chance to withdraw and just say, you know what? I made a mistake. I'll, I'll give up. Then he rolls the officer over. Now he's on top of the officer. There's no reason to do that unless you plan on being offensive at some point. And then the fight ensues, and then you see what happens there. So, Iman, what did you, what were your thoughts on that video, and how does that play into your whole warrior versus guardian mindset um, brand? So, it, I mean, great video. I agree with you. It's, it's actually a phenomenal job that the officer did, and you can also yeah. tell he trains on his own. All right, the, the 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 movements, the tactics he was using. That's that's extra of what he does on top of what the job uh, gives him. Um, or, or trains them in. So here's the thing. Inevitably, a police officer is going to get into a fight. You know, at some point in their career, like I said, you know, like Fred said, it's it's a rare thing, but it happens. And when it happens, uh, you know, fighting to somebody who has that warrior mindset is a last resort. You can tell from the officer's actions when the handcuffs were coming on, even when the uh, the uh, suspect had the officer in a headlock. He still did not uh, did not go. Um, you know, any extra, he was trying to talk to him, plead with him, right? He was pleading with him. you can hear it, uh, from the cop. So, so when, 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 when someone with the warrior mindset is put in a spot where they have to act, you know, like fighting, um, he ended up being very effective at fighting more than what the suspect thought. I mean, he was, he was doing some very good moves in getting out of that, uh, out of that, uh, headlock. And then the way he was, you know, pushing his forearm against his head and using the taser. He he was doing great things also to minimal uh, damage uh, to the suspect to effect an arrest. And even after the arrest, the officer was calm. That's that's warrior mindset right there. Okay, that I mean that that's that that's a clear example to me of what somebody with a warrior mindset is like. Not just the physical, but also the mental. I, I agree. Because, you know, we touched upon it earlier, and then, you know, I put a name on it with emotional intelligence. Yeah. In order to be a warrior and a guardian, you have to have a high level of emotional intelligence. Yeah. And in my opinion, and based off my training experience, the more you train, the more confidence you have. The more confidence you have, the more options you have. The more options you have, the more it allows you to take the time to, to access your emotional intelligence. Yeah. If you don't have, if I got one tool in my toolbox and it's a hammer <laughs> and I'm on a job and it doesn't call for a hammer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out, no. of, I'm out of options, right? Oh, yeah. That's hundred percent true. And, and, and again, like, like I said, with the officer, I mean, such great movements on the ground, the way he was moving, the way he kept talking to the suspect when he had him in the headlock. Finally, the officer decided, okay, enough's enough. You know, now, now I need to act. And that, that's when you see the switch, you know, from that mental aspect of the warrior mindset into the physical aspect. And he did so, so quick too. It didn't, it didn't, it wasn't a long drawn out fight. He had control of the sub- subject pretty much almost the entire time. And what he was doing, as you can tell, he was, uh, the officer was also using strategy, how to get him around, how to, all right, he got me here. Now I got to do this. You can tell the officer's thinking of different ways of moving around because he's, so confident in the skills, like you said, because of training that he does on his own to develop himself as both a warrior and a police officer uh, with the warrior mindset that he was very confident the whole time. He, he wasn't yelling for help. He wasn't, you know, he, he, he knew he had control of the situation. I agree. You know, he definitely, and, and again, you know, like he definitely had some training, yeah. But it's also important for people to realize, like, that wasn't some high-level black belt either. You know what I mean, like, he wasn't doing some any crazy techniques. He was just a guy who clearly knew the value of putting himself in some bad situations in a training environment. Yeah. But when the real thing came along, he could access that from his mind. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you yeah. know, that's like that saying, like, your, your body can't go anywhere. Your mind hasn't already been. Yeah, exactly. And that was a perfect example 
of that in that video. So let me hit that real a great, quick. A great, real quick, a great quote from Mike Tyson. He said, uh, I was listening the other day, a great quote that he said is, your mind, uh, your, your body follows your mind. Mm -hmm. That's how powerful to him the mind is. Exactly. If your mind's yeah. ever been, I, I actually, I thought you, when you said Mike Tyson, you were going to go to one of my favorite quotes of his is everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's the other one. That's the other one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Mike says that this is a great example of the transition from guardian to warrior. The guardian is what we do most of the time serving the general public. The warrior is what we do, what we have to do to stay alive. All right. So Mike's doubling down on that. Yeah. So Bob says, all right, this is such a difficult topic. In today's society, you have to be a war, a warriorian. All right, so half warrior and half got in because there is such a lack of respect for police, which is very unfortunate. A police officer today has to be has to expect the unexpected when coming up on a scene. The days of Adam 12 are gone. So Adam 12, I believe, that's even before my time, and I'm in my 40s. I believe that's from what, Car 54 maybe? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's from one of those shows that was like black and white-ish. So we're going back a little ways. Mm -hmm. RJ says, as a POC, I, I assume that's a police officer candidate, I have been spoon-fed the illusion that being a police officer is an easy job, that being uh, that it, it is easy, and any cop that uses excessive force on a POC is, oh, person of color, sorry. Okay. All right. okay. All right. So as a person of color is racist, which is false. Over the past couple months, I have learned to appreciate police officers more because they're here to protect and serve our communities. And I'm even inspired to become an officer. Awesome. Amen, RJ. We need more people to, to see the whole picture, like what you're doing there. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So, so Iman, so we talked a little bit about that. So talk to me about maybe some experiences you used where you've had to apply some of your emotional intelligence and make these transitions. Yeah. So, uh, so actually, uh, the situation I, I was involved in, it's, it's kind of one of those that, that always comes up that I think about is where I put myself. Um, well, it, it was, it was a warrant arrest that I went to, to serve. And it was an investigation I was conducting, and I kind of made an error in meeting with the suspect in an office where I did not have room to maneuver, really. So I realized that, and he knew it. And you can tell he was sizing up the situation and, you know, clench fist and all of that. And what I ended up doing as I'm talking to him, and this was a guy, I mean, he was, he must have been 6'3", six, 6'4", six, about 250, solid, you know, big guy. So what I ended up doing is I was, I ended up starting the, uh, you know, moving around a little bit on to the other side of the office because that's where the door was. That's where my exit was. So my back was to a wall and, and uh, wall, you know, walls all around me. I had no exit. And I, and I knew it as soon as he came in, I'm like, oh crap, I should have done, I should have been on the other side. So I kept talking him down and you can tell he was trying to decide whether he wants to fight me or, or run or whatever, you know, you can tell there was something going on in his head. And as I was walking around the, uh, the desk, I kept telling him, Hey, don't worry about it, man. You know, this thing, I mean, it's, you know, it's a warrant arrest, but listen, you'll have your day in court. You'll do what you got to do. And that's all we we're going to you know deal with it. So he, he ended up as he was walking around. Now his back was to the wall. My back was to the door. He realized it, and he 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 came down from whatever uh, he wanted to do and went peacefully. So so it was it was one of those like I call it the psychological ambush. Like he was thinking of doing stuff, and he was formulating in his brain what he was about to do. And as soon as he realized what position I put him in, he stopped. I, I love it. So Fred, welcome back. Um, yeah. So let I don't me know what happened. Somehow I dropped out, but I'm I'm back. Hey, we're, we're happy to have you, brother. So here's the question on the table right now. So can you give an example of a time when you've been on the job where you've had to a transition maybe from warrior to guardian or guardian to warrior, and you've had to apply some level of emotional intelligence? Yeah, I mean, I I just love that example that Iman just gave with his scenario. I I was watching that. Um, 
and that's a great example of it. It's what it's what um, um, we call instead of just reacting, we can't we can't just react to everything. All right. Uh, now, something spontaneous like that video we just saw, then you, you react to that. But what I love that there's a favorite quote of mine from Colonel John Boyd, uh, who did who studied patterns of conflict and how to deal with uh, violence uh, and uh, in warfare. And, and, and I've kind of been utilizing his ideas and applying them to policing for years because it's all about maneuver and trying to win in the moral component where you don't have to fight. All right. Which goes back the days of Sun Tzu and the art of war. All right. But what what Iman was talking about in his scenario um, is is called he's he shaped the circumstances. Right. He didn't just react. He maneuvered. He put himself in positions where the other fella had to put himself. Uh, he put himself in a in a bad position, which gave him an advantage. And he was smart enough to see it and come around to Iman's way of thinking. And it ended without a fight. Right. Which is the ultimate goal. We want to win without fighting, if at all possible. And that's what a warrior looks for, right? Win without fighting, all right? Yeah. Uh, if at all possible. That's the acme of skill, as Sun, the way Sun Tzu put it, the art of war 2,500 years ago. Not new age, fluffy yeah. stuff, but <laughs> old school warfare stuff. Yeah. So, right? Fred, how, Fred, how about a real-life example that you've would, that you've applied this though, in the field? Oh, hell, man. Yeah, I, I, there's so many of them over the years. I'm trying to think. Uh, you got to remember, I've been retired now four years, so I'm trying to remember back back with some of the ones I dealt with. Uh, I, yeah, there's been there's been. Uh, I, I'll give you one, please. I, I, I was a lieutenant. I worked days, and most of my career was four to twelve. But I was on days this particular day, and I ended up doing my admin work. Right, so I'm going to give you all my all my dirty laundry. So I got my administrative holster on. And I decide at lunchtime, I'm going to go get a protein bar up at GNC at the mall. So I walk up to the mall, uh, ride up to the mall, get out, go into GNC. And on the way out, <laughs> as luck would have it, there's somebody acting up, right? And I walk over and he's, he's high, intoxicated, in combination, high on drugs. And as soon as I start to talk to the guy, he gives my, my gun a glance. And as soon as he glances at it, I go, Oh, hell, I, I don't have my safety gear on. I got my admin holster on. Really quick, folks, right. if you're not familiar, an admin holster mm -hmm. is one that has, it's basically just a snap. It's that's very, it. It's anybody can, like a three-year-old could come take a gun out of an admin holster. So that's yep. important. That's the reason behind that. So go ahead, Fred. I just want to Yeah, so that. anyway, so now I have to I have to work my verbal judo, for lack of a better word, my, the, the, communicate. You have, you have to have social skills in this business of being a warrior, right? You got to know how to communicate with people, listen, and 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 manipulate the, the circumstances and reshape them. So it becomes a conversation um, where we end up going outside. Uh, he walks out with me. And I, of course, as he's walking, I'm, I get on the radio quick and get for backup to roll, to roll my direction. And strategically, I waited until I could see backup coming into the mall lot before I moved in to put cuffs on him. Uh, and it didn't, it didn't turn into a fight, but I was very worried that it was going to turn into a fight. And he was a, he was a, a, a big, muscly, strong dude. And I was worried about that. And, and just so people are listening know, cops, cops do worry. When, when you look at somebody who's big, they can took, put all that bravado into your brain all you want. But there are people out there who are bigger than stronger than you are. So you have to be, you have to be prepared for that. Um, so that's an example of using uh, a combination of things in an effort to prevent a fight, which um, I think is what most of us strive for every day uh, is to do that. Uh, now, if you have to fight in those circumstances, you get a set of circumstances where you actually have to fight, um, they're, they're no fun. And I've had those too, where they go bad, when they happen too quick, right? Uh, a domestic uh, violence scene where uh, something turns into a, as soon as you walk in the door, it's, it's, a, it's violent and people are threatening and they, they come right at you. When you go into people's houses, I don't think people that don't do this for a living realize how dangerous that can be. Oh, it's well, the I'm, away game. It yeah, is because the away game. Yeah, yeah. It, it, because it's and going into someone else's house. Yeah, it it is. It's it's huge. There's so many disadvantages involved and so dangerous. People's emotions are high, right. um, and and it, it, they can change quickly. But so, so can I just jump in real quick? My favorite part 
of your story is how you bought time. No yep. rush. No, no rush. rush. That's something that's something you learn with time on the job. Because I don't. I, I'm not going to speak for you two, but I know me, and I got on this job older. Like I was 28 when I started in law enforcement, and mm-hmm. I still, when I got out of the academy, I'm like, it has to happen quick. Everything's got to be now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh, restable offense. I got to put. Hand, it's like a speed competition. See how quickly I can get handcuffs on you. Not the case. Yeah. Not the case at all. Like like you just said. Like time was on your side. I you know what that is. My mind that somebody's going to arrest somebody. That I'm going to arrest somebody. But they don't, I don't have to let them know if I'm waiting for backup and things like no. that. Um, you you, you take time. So go ahead, Fred. You, 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 you got to manipulate time. You're on the you're onto a hot topic. In policing, we're taught to control the circumstance. I'm trying to take that word out of my vocabulary, quite frankly, when I train guys. And, and, and I say that in a sense. There, obviously, there are times spontaneous things that happens where you have to control. But that word control gives us this idea that we got to do it now. Right this second, it's got to be done, right? And that causes us to react all too often when we should be slowing down and reshaping circumstances mm-hmm. because that's important. And I, I think uh, I started to give you that quote earlier from Boyd. He said, don't just be a reactor. Notice what I said. Don't just be. I didn't say never be a reactor because there's a time for it. Mm-hmm. But don't just be a reactor. Be a shaper too. That's huge when it comes to tactics because yeah. it's just what we're talking about. Stall for time. Don't make the car stop unless you're ready to make it, right? Uh, don't engage. Or if you do engage and you already lure it in, stall, develop it. As long as you can. If things if things unfold, like with this guy in that video, he was he was dealing with him nice, trying to be a good guy, trying to talk to him decently, and all of a sudden he he, he took off running and he had to he had to go into that into that react mode and take him down and 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 struggle with him. And guess what? When you struggle, it don't look nice, it don't look pretty. Because it's not pretty, right? Um, But understanding tactics means, and tactics is everything from how we communicate, how we listen Mm -hmm. to gunplay and and DT, defensive, it's all everything combined. Any method, any tools we can utilize to manipulate the circumstances to our advantage so that we win. Because we're we're out enforcing the laws, we're protecting the public, right? We want to get people to come around to our way of thinking and end nice and peacefully. Which most of them do, yeah. Most of them do. Um, Fred, let me and, jump to Iman. Let me because Iman, I can man. tell he's 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 getting the pace. Like he wants he wants in. Got it. Sorry, man. Well, well, just you know, I've gone to uh, Fred's classes myself and servers almost my entire career. So when when Fred gets going, it's like yeah, you know, all the great points that are coming up. But it's it's you know, I, I agree one hundred percent. Is you know. Uh, the stalling of time and 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 like like I think I, I noticed a comment of something is that you know uh, patience you know w- w- with with experience comes patience stuff like that yeah I mean when I graduated the academy I was I was I was twenty yeah, I was twenty eight also twenty eight years old when I when I graduated I was I was like you I was like oh I have to make the arrest I have to do this I have to do that but then then I I started to notice as time went on that. Instead of control, like you said, uh, Fred, you know, that word control, uh, I could shape a situation to my advantage all the time and take my time doing it where I could, you know, where where where, where I could walk into a, a, a disorderly house, if you want to call it, and shape it to the way I want it. They may not know what I'm doing, but I'm moving th- I'm moving pieces around. Right. So, so, I mean, that, that's a great point, Fred, is I, I think, you know, a while back we were talking and, and I told you that, uh, that uh, one of my, one of our mutual friends told me, you know, well, how, how do you guys do what you do? You know, when you're going to chaos and, you know, a car accident and all this. And I said, well, you know, we control the chaos. So Fred, you know, Fred said, well, change control with reshape. We reshape that chaos. I was like, ah, you know what? You're a great point. Because when we show up to an accident scene or or any type of scene, that's what we're doing. We're reshaping to make it to to, to fix whatever is going on. I, I, I love it. You know, it, it's what's that? Go ahead, Fred. What what that gives you is you're using strategy and tactics. You're not just high diddle diddle, <laughs> straight up the middle. The devil be damned. I'm the police. Here I am, and something magical is going to happen because I got a gun and a badge. It doesn't work that way. It's actually not the Seuss. I love it. Yeah. yeah there's, there's actually a there's a strategic mindset, 
you mentioned earlier options. How we don't teach options. We usually teach in, in policing, we teach school solutions. We need to be teaching options. Let these people figure out how to frame and solve problems on their own instead yeah. of us telling these young cops what to do. Teach them how to think and do. It makes all the difference in the world because now they they're learning how to make sense of circumstances. They're learning how to frame and solve problems in context with what actually is happening because they're all different. Every, you can have a domestic today, one tomorrow, one the next day. They're all a domestic, but they all got their different novelties. Yeah. All little things that are that are different in them that we have to be able to adapt to and adjust to. One you go to, uh, we've had we've had cops killed responding to a domestic. Uh, two hours prior uh, and resolving it peacefully only to get called back, roll up on it the same exact way they rolled up on it and get ambushed in the driveway. That's happened in my 30 years. I can't, I've lost count of how many times things like that have happened. Yeah. Right. You can go to the same guy's house uh, for years without incident, right. Dealing with them, drinking or whatever it might be, PC in them. And then all of a sudden years later on this hundredth time you've been there, it turns bad because he's not going this time. Right. Yeah. So we have to be prepared for, for things. And you have, we have to start developing if we want warriors. And, and I agree. I agree with everything we've talked about. I think Mike's the Mike who mentioned and doubled down on his idea is, is on the same page with us. He's, he's, he's there. What we're saying is when we say it's one, the same, it's one man, that warrior and that guardians in me yeah. are in you. Right. And, and we have to be able to go to deal with the public in that decent way. Even the even the even the guy we're, we're, we're patting down, like in that video, deal with him with a guardian mindset until he decides he wants to escalate it. Yeah. Then we got to shift. We got to shift gears into the into that warrior mode where we have to learn how to fight but, and, and know how to fight, I should say. And, yeah. and I think that's crucial. But but we don't teach this to to to. Uh, we don't teach enough of this to rookie cops, no. uh, the tactical science of this game. It we takes teach time. It, it takes it, time. It, like it does. So, Iman, let me jump to you real quick. Yeah. So, what, believe it or not, fellas, we're down to about seven, under under eight minutes left. Jeez. All right? It's <laughs> that went quick. Yeah. So, <laughs> 60 seconds. Can you just respond to Fred? Well, again, Fred, like, you know, it, it's, 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 I, I, you know, from day one, ever since I, I went to your classes, I agreed with you 100% with the way, you know, reshaping and, and fixing and, and, and doing all this stuff. And it, it brings me back to thinking on how to develop officers who are able to think. Uh, it brings me back thinking about uh, in the Army uh, doing those leadership courses where you get, you know, a, you get a two by four and a, and a bucket full of sand and you got to find a way to go across a lake and you and your team have to figure it out and mm -hmm. and that develops that ability to think outside the box not the traditional oh let me build a bridge and go across no they, they make it a lot harder all right sometimes you gotta find a way to rest on a rope and you gotta rope your way around and and mm -hmm. move but but again that's you're reshaping you're reshaping the circumstance to to benefit you you know that, that end result I, I love it so really quick Fred, what projects are you working on? What do you what what do you got cooking? What's new for you with the instruction world? Well, instruction, we just finished, we just wrapped up doing Zoom. That was new. Now see, now you got me on what is this called? FaceTime uh live or whatever this, it is. This is Facebook Live. Facebook, yeah, Facebook Live, whatever the hell it is. <laughs> uh Zoom. We did Zoom um uh for in-service this year because of COVID. Uh, uh I'm doing I just finished up a, a week long. Uh, sergeant's class out in uh, Southbridge, um, Massachusetts, out in that facility the MPTC has out there. It was the first time I was ever there. It was beautiful. Uh, I was inside a hotel. Uh, believe it or not, I, I don't want to get everybody watching upset, especially the cops. They actually gave us coffee and Danish in the morning oh, and fed us in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. And then um, uh, this week I'm going to be down in uh born doing a sergeant's class and next week in randolph but they're moving so i'm not exactly sure where we're going to be the, the the academy in randolph's moving to it's in randolph still yeah. but another location yeah they're moving um, to, not about a mile away from where they are now yeah it's not too far i guess so you, I, I, you got a lot of training is what is what you're doing any 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 personal prod projects you want to tell us about the next 30 seconds ago so i uh, also so i can go to ivan personal yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, personal. I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm trying to stay healthy. I'm retired. I'm trying to stay healthy and happy, strong, right? 
Um, keep them busy walking. I was in the woods for two hours today. This is what you do when you're retired, man. Right? Yeah. Yeah, well, trying to keep my wife happy. <laughs> Good luck. When, when you find out the uh -oh. secret to that one, let us know. We'll make billions together. No, yeah, she's yeah. looking at me across the room. I might have to reshape the circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. And on oh, that, Simon, what do you got? Tell us about what you got. You got, you got a hot new podcast coming out, right? Yeah. So uh, we're, we're three episodes in. It's doing really good. The podcast is called Project Sapient. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, basically uh, talking about uh, issues of law enforcement. We, we talk about uh, veteran issues. Uh, we talk about... Um, uh, we talk about a lot of things, man. It, it's been actually really... Uh, really uh, great experience with all the uh, responses I've been getting from uh, Leo's across the country. Um, uh, it's amazing to see how, you know, where it goes and how, how it touches. So it's uh, the podcast is called project sapient and uh, I'm hoping in another year or so to turn it into a training program about the warrior mindset and to really get that out there to the law enforcement community and kind of win back uh, the hearts and minds of, of the public. All right, and you and you want to accomplish that like through educating the public, or just kind of letting them give them a peek behind the curtain. Like, what's well, the for now, for now, it's going to be a peek behind the curtain with the podcast. I'm starting it off as a podcast to kind of set the stage, and then uh, and then I'm going to go out there where I'm going to actually make it educational for the public and for police officers. I want both. I want to bridge that gap that that grew over the 15, 20 plus years that has been slowly growing. So I, I want to bridge that gap and bring it back. I love it. it yeah. I love the concept. It sounds familiar. I don't know. If I, <laughs> yes. And if I could say something quick uh, for both of you guys, what you're doing is, is uh, for 30, uh, 30 plus going on 40 years. If you want to really get to the truth of it, that's how long I've been around. But the reality is what you guys are doing is fantastic because you're doing, you're, you're educating cops, but you're educating the public, and we need both educated on this stuff. And and the way you're doing, I've listened to you, I follow you both, I share your information um, because it's good and it's needed. And you should all, you should, guys should be applauded for what you're doing out there. As far as I'm concerned, it's good stuff, um, and, and and I love it. And I and anybody listening uh, should follow both you guys now. And I know I'm in your new, you got what three episodes. I listened to yeah, all three yeah. of them. They're fantastic. Yeah. Two more coming so, out. So we're, we're, still, we're still su supply the why I, I even got my shirt. If oh, you, you look good, Fred. You look yes, right. Good. <laughs> uh, and you guys are doing great. This is stuff we need, man. We can't be hiding and keeping things secret forever in, in, in the profession. There's some things, uh, techniques and things we can't tell, but, we do need to educate the public. I mean, if because they do have a say in what we do, and if they're uneducated, they're going to be making un, uneducated decisions that we might have to deal with, uh, like we're seeing now. So it behooves us to have guys like you out there doing it. It takes a lot of courage to do it. I appreciate so, it, Fred. No, thank you. Know. Fred, I appreciate it. It means um, I can't tell you how much it means to come from a guy. Um, this is the part of the show where I get a little sappy, a guy that I looked up to, a guy that when you were in front of the class, I'm like, this is a guy that loves what he's doing. This is a guy that's passionate about teaching cops. Yeah. And this is a guy that I want to do what this guy's doing. So guys like yourself, Fred, you've motivated me to become an instructor also for the MPTC, which is a municipal police training council. For those of you that don't know that, that's the, that's the main governing body for teaching and educating police officers in the uh, Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So, um, you know, it, it took me a while to do it, but now that I, I you know, I teach a couple subjects for them. And I, and I, and I love it. I, I love the whole process behind it. And part of the supply, the why, what we're doing here is I said, why not take some of that and bring it to the general public and mm -hmm. let's we can all get on the same page with some of this stuff, or at the very least, maybe I can supply the why behind the mindset that we have as to why we train, how we train and what our goals are with the training. So that's kind of yeah. where I was going with supply the why. So we're about a minute left folks. So again, I want to thank everybody for checking out the show. Check out Project Sapient. It's a hot podcast. I it's it's now it's saved uh, as as one of my favorites. So please check it out. Supply the Why. We're on Facebook, YouTube. If you have people that are on Facebook, check out our YouTube channel. Share the link from there. We're gonna be on LinkedIn soon. I'm on Instagram. We're on Apple, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify podcast. If you're in the car and you want to listen, what I'm telling people now is. 
They're like, Dean, how can I support this? Do this. Don't argue with your people. It's the holiday time. Don't argue with your people about police use of force or race relations. Send them a copy of one of my of, of one of my of one of the episodes from here. Let me make the case for you. Take the emotion out of the out of the whole situation and and let them listen to us and the guests that I have on. I promise you you'll be better for it. And I guarantee you that people will have a lot of aha moments by listening to shows like this one, like we had tonight. So we're out of time, folks. Thank you again. Supply the why. Check it out. We also have hot new bracelets, three for 10 bucks. Hit me up. Wow. Get your supply the why gear. Happy holidays, everybody. It's going to be the last episode until we come back after the holidays. So have a happy and safe holiday season, and we'll see you soon. Hashtag supply the why. Bye, guys. See ya. Ha, ha, ha.